Welcome! This is the Hassan Sorrells Audio Experience. My name is Hassan Sorrells. Look, we are trying something different. So I want you to join us on the Hassan Sorrells Presents Audio Experience for interviews, for rants, for raves, for thoughts, for process. And you'll get a knee-deep, hip-deep, and ear-deep view inside of what I do. Look, if you like what you're listening to, please like me, please rank me, Stitcher, iTunes, Overcast, Google Play Music, everywhere where you get your groove on, I want you to give me a few stars. All right, now, let's head into the experience. Cool, there you go. Got it. Okay. All right. Can you hear my dings in the background when my mail hits or no? I'll take it. No, I can't hear anything. My headphones. Perfect. Your head is moving in and out of your background but it's okay you're good just keep your head you know well it falls off sometimes so (laughs) (laughs) my name's really doorknob my head screws off you can tell me anything (laughs) (laughs) okay and scene and scene well we already started recording so it's too late for that (laughs) so the people are gonna you can edit it Yeah, so this is much more of a this is much more of a a Mark Maron kind of just oh you're recording yeah we're recording okay we're just recording <laughs> it's one of those kinds of, it's one of those kinds of podcasts so I tend to let I, I just let it go it's fine it's good people like to hear they like to hear that it feels this feels to the people like a natural conversation like you're, we're just two people sitting around you know table having a cup of coffee just talking about stuff. Oh, so this whole agenda you gave me that we have to talk about, we can throw that out the I'm just kidding. Yeah, we can throw the whole, sure, we can throw the whole freaking agenda out the window and talk about whatever you want. There was no agenda. Speaking to the microphone, there was no agenda. You're darn right there was an agenda. No, you know what, I'll own it. Absolutely, there was an agenda. Here's what I'm going to attempt to ask you, Cheryl. Good luck getting a word in. No. Exactly, yeah. Well, you know, we may just talk like football the whole time or something. I don't know. Hey, we did that last time. It was great. We did, yes, which was a prompt of this conversation. So <laughs> I will ask you a basic question. Sure, I'll shut like, up. Well, I hope not. You know, we can't have dead air the whole time. <laughs> well, that would be, talk. well, that would be an interesting experiment, right? Just to have like a podcast of nothing but dead air. Or just you asking questions and somebody just looking dead at you like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Next question. Okay, we're having too much fun. <laughs> you got the uh, I don't know on the audio, and that's like the whole thing. And then the title of the podcast is uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you talk about? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> so well. you had a question. Go for it. I had one question. Well, I have several questions. I mean, inquiring minds want to know. So who are you and what do you do? I'm a woman that's proud to be a woman. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> Hi, my name's Cheryl. I'm an alcoholic go, go, now. Go, go, go right for it, aren't we? Go right for the jugular. <laughs> are, you pr- are you proud to be a woman? I'm going to do the NPR thing. Are you proud to be a woman in the current climate? Uh, hmm. And by the way, I mean the climate of the weather where you're at. <laughs> it's storming here, so yeah, sure. Oh, okay, All right. it's like 93 degrees where I'm at, which is awfully narrowly specific, but okay. It actually cooled off. It's, it was lots of thunder. So. Okay. All right. 
Well, but who am I? I am. I consider myself um, a person of service. Okay. What do I mean by that? Yeah. What so, do you mean by that? I didn't even ask that question. She asked that question herself, and then she's going to answer it. This is how we know it's going to be a good interview. <laughs> Yeah. As of right now, Hassan doesn't have to say anything. So no, have a conversation with herself. <laughs> I, I, there you go. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a pretty face, just hanging out. <laughs> Along for the ride, Mr. Just Seatbelt on. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Squirrel. Um, I, I am an entrepreneur mm-hmm. at heart. First business was when I was very, very young, eight years old. Uh, mental capacity to understand that I like to turn opportunity into success for myself and for others. So landing as a business advisor, what I'm doing now, and have kind of done it for about the past 10 years as far as a job is concerned, um, I enjoy it. Being an entrepreneur, going through those pitfalls, going through those costly mistakes, uh, being able to pivot, recoup, and go on, and then work with other entrepreneurs that are striving to be something better, to bring a product to market, a service to market, whatever the case may be that they're passionate about and there's opportunity for them to grow, I like to partner with them and help them do that. I love to see success. Love to see success. Okay. All right. So business advising, this is going to be like the driest question ever. What's business advising? Yeah. What is... Can you tell us a little bit more about business advising? (laughs) Sure. So the best way I can explain it is you have your business coaches, Mm -hmm. right? You have your business consultants, Mm -hmm. and then you have your business advisors. So those are three general, because I like to point. Okay. Well, that's fine. I'm not going to tell the woman where to put her finger. So, yeah. Wow, that was terrible. (laughs) That was terrible. Even that was like a lob that I could really hit out of the park, but we'll keep this clean. Well, I could, I could put an E for explicit next to the episode. But, so know. that's if I drop an F bomb. I'm from New York, yeah. so that's to be it's expected. They got Wait, 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 hold on a second. We didn't talk. We didn't talk about that part. Where in New York? I was born in Brooklyn and grew yo, up on yo, Long yo. Island. Oh, yo, yo, yo! Top of the food chain. <laughs> Yo, 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 Brooklyn. Yo, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's in the house. <laughs> my mom was born in Brooklyn. Big ups to Brooklyn. I, you know, I never got my arms around those people. I mean, well, I mean, I got my arms around my mom. I mean, when I was a little kid, like, I would hug her or whatever. But, like. <laughs> Elegant <laughs> arms? You have, a, you have an issue with that? I just, I don't know. Brooklyn, it's a lot of yelling. <laughs> a lot of assertion. That's how New Yorkers are, period. No, we I, actually just had a conversation about that yesterday. Me and my other half. Okay. Talking think, about somebody had asked me, like, why is he yelling? You know, it's like, it's not yelling. It's how they communicate. It's just assertive, it's assertive communication. Although people in Manhattan, they don't yell at you. They just run you over. Like they, just, they have no patience for like the yelling part. Um, folks in Queens, they will yell. They're kind of a little bit more like Frank Costanza's father. <laughs> or like Jerry's Seinfeld, <laughs> like Costanza's dad. Jerry Stiller, they're a little yes. bit like that. Yeah, they will yell at you. And they'll be all over that shuffleboard court, and they'll be everywhere, and they forget their train of thought, and then they just go on the subway. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, then, uh, and, then, and then Long Island, I don't know what's going on there. And it's not Long Island. It's Long Island. Long <laughs> Island. Long, Long Island. Long Island. You guys say, Long Island. You say, back in your throat. 
I'm verklempt. You know, it's part yeah, of the part yeah. that goes out to Long Island. That verklemptness has to stay with you. <laughs> the closest. So I never, I never went to Long Island. My wife did many, many times uh, when she was Why? in high school and all that. I don't, parties. I don't oh, know, apparently parties yeah. on Long Island. I don't know. I never. I mean, I saw the sign that said Long Island that way, and I just never went that way. <laughs> I don't need to. I don't feel like I need to go there. Danger, danger, Will Robinson, danger. So I, my wife was born in upstate New York, and so, uh, which is like a totally different country. country. Right, it's it's the rest of the United States, which is what I had to tell all the all the when I would go to Brooklyn or wherever else we had clients. When I lived in New York State, when I got there, I'd be like, they don't know where you are either. <laughs> so just calm down there, calm down there, Chachi. <laughs> I don't know where that is. Yeah, well, they don't know where you are either. <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everybody would calm down. We could have a reasonable conversation. There you go. Uh, anyway, so you were born in Brooklyn. Okay, what did you do in Brooklyn that led you to being, like, a business advisor? And then Long Island. Was it Long Island? Did you, did you start, like, the, the, the like... Because no, what were you selling when you were, like, Long kid? Island. Most, okay, Long Island. Mostly Long Island. Because most kids who... Uh, or most people who are serial entrepreneurs... They're like Warren Buffett. They started like moving stocks when they were like eight or like getting people to whitewash a fence or something at like seven. You have a similar thing. I was a bubblegum hustler at eight. Bubblegum hustler. What does yeah. that mean? I don't even so know. So I was selling gum and candy by the piece in school at lunchtime. I'd buy a pack of gum for a quarter, sell yeah. it by the piece for a quarter. Making a nice little profit. And you never got knocked off? Like, nobody was ever like, get out of town. Well, remember, I'm from Brooklyn, right? Yeah, so, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> people don't mess with people from the city. <laughs> I know people. Oh, you know people? I know people, too. <laughs> everybody knows people. Everybody got, everybody got people everywhere. <laughs> now, what kind of bubble gum was it? Was it, like, mellow yellow? Was it, like, the striped bubble gum? Like Hubba bubba. Okay, bubble bubble. Bubblicious, bazooka, bazooka. bubble bubble gum, yeah. So did you take apart, like, the bubble gum when you were selling it and pull out the, like, the little bazooka toy, and like which is, like, a cheap paper thing usually, and then, like, did you sell that separately? No, so... that's a Gary Vee move. Gary Vee would have tried to sell that separately. (laughs) No, so you could buy it by the piece. They have these big buckets at the, the stationery store. When they had stationery stores back in the day where you could get your stationery your cigarettes your candy <laughs> the essentials in life yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> that was next door to the delicatessen that was next door to the bakery right okay. so everything was separate as opposed to now it's like one-stop shopping right the supermarket everything's there but um no didn't sell that separately I, I used to buy them by the piece for two cents and sell them for 25 cents okay and then what did you do with that 23 cents extra I would put it in my pocket and save it for a rainy day. And anytime I went shopping with mom, I would buy shit that I didn't need. I would, <laughs> yeah, I would well, buy. It's fine. You're fine. I would buy crap I didn't need, right? <laughs> Little toys and stuff. That's actually how I got caught. Because I bought one of those paper, Chinese paper yo-yos that had come out. And I'm in the backseat of the car and wrapping it. And my mother's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing, nothing, nothing. Where'd you get that from? Did you steal it? Did you steal money from me? How did it happen? And when I well, you disclosed how I did it, she was amazed. You wouldn't be the first businessman that got turned over by a Chinese yo-yo. So <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be the first one. But I'm bum. But uh, hey, hey, it's all there. <laughs> so I'll just sit down. Take it for what it is. It's, it's, it's a whole thing. 
okay, so you're selling bubble gum, you're making yeah. money, you're buying yeah. Chinese yo-yos, <laughs> you're reinvesting because you're like 10, you're like, I don't know, you're not Warren Buffett, you're not like, oh, I could buy some stocks with this, like you weren't going in that direction. And yeah. then from bubble gum, did you move into cigarettes or did you move exactly, did you move over like parallel? <laughs> Went hardcore to drugs, straight to drugs. <laughs> By the time I was 10, I was selling heroin, you know, oh. <laughs> just easy oh. transition. No. Um, <clears throat> No, it actually transitioned over into, by the time I was 11, I was doing bookkeeping for my parents' friends, like balancing their checkbooks and doing stuff like that. So, okay, yeah, transition. I didn't think about money. When I was a kid, they used to be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I used to say rich. <laughs> That's a simple answer. I mean, it covers everything. And everyone would be like, oh. Well, I mean, this is what, like back in the 80s? 70s, 70s, 80s, 80s. Yeah. yeah, like people didn't know what to do with that answer back then. They were like, mm, okay. These days, though, like you'd have been funneled like right into a Montessori school, and like you're going directly to finance, and you're going to be working for PricewaterhouseCoopers, making eighty thousand dollars a year, like twenty two, and no entrepreneurship for you. You're going right, <laughs> going right to PwC. <laughs> Could you imagine? God bless those people that do that. I used to teach some of those people. It's 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 fine. Like at the end of it, you you. The acronym for fine, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm going to leave that aside for just a second. No, it was um, you realize that like so like if you had shown up to teach those people about like how finance actually really works, mm-hmm. not what they're reading in the book, you would find you would discover the massive gap between what they think works and what actually works. Huge gap. And then you'd also tell them what that gap is, and then you would watch their faces fall in disappointment at having blown, like, six figures in student loan debt. Or acquired six figures in student loan debt. But a lot of those people weren't worried because, like, their moms and dads were footing the bill or something. Like, they had it figured out. So they were like, yeah, it doesn't matter. The arbitrage here doesn't matter. So I was like, well, okay. (laughs) Don't come work for me. (laughs) I don't want you balancing my books. (laughs) God bless you and everything. You're great, but don't please stay in Price Waterhouse. But no, there were a few people who I was like, no, you're fine. Like it's good. But the vast majority of them, like, and a lot of them were immigrants from um, East Asia, yeah. and so China, the Philippines, Vietnam, uh, Korea, so Japan. A lot of folks from Japan, and they just they it was a very much honor driven, and sometimes not responding to feedback well and. I have to make this work because if I don't, like... I've got nothing. I've put everything into this. Yeah. And, like, my, I'm the one kid from my family who's, like, gotten out of, gotten off the mainland of wherever, and now I'm here, and this better work, sucker. So I don't want to hear about your entrepreneurial dream because <laughs> I don't care about it. That does not exist in this dojo. But anyway, okay. So you were, you were in finance and, uh, and anything having to do with money and being rich. Yes. And, and making sure that the budgets of local neighborhood families balanced. Did you do a better job than the federal government is currently doing with its, with its budget? Uh, I would say yes, because okay. families don't have imaginary money they can spend. So, and just go into unlimited amount of debt. Right. It does catch up at some point. So and, I would say. And no, yeah. and no household is a reserve currency for the rest of the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, unless it's that, that, you know, that household over there. We all know about. 
Yeah, I remember I grew up in a neighborhood where we play ring and run on our own houses, you know, as a cul-de-sac and <laughs> entertain yourselves. Whose mom could we piss off first, you know? <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so you're 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 balancing the checkbooks, you're doing the thing. You didn't bother with college or you did go to college or what? I actually did go to college and that's when my next entrepreneurial ventureship uh, happened where I did nails in my dorm room to help me pay for books, pay for school, pay for gas. And that was when you had to pay a telephone bill that was thousands of dollars when you made phone calls. So yeah, I worked for Ma Bell while I was in college. <laughs> so that's like the perfect merging of like Long Island and entrepreneurship right there. <laughs> like <laughs> the nail culture. Yes. And it was big. Now you have to back then that was late 80s, early 90s, it was like, I don't know, in town, I priced it out, I did my research. Mm -hmm. It was $60 for like a full set of nails in town, which was like a mile up from the dorm. And, and I was like, hmm, I can charge $25. And then, you know, people would call me at two o'clock in the morning drunk. I broke a nail. Can you fix it? It's two o'clock in the morning. I gotta get a six for the morning. I gotta blah blah blah. Okay, and I could, you know, supercharge them. Oh, that's my ride. I gotta go. Just kidding. Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> that was a car horn, wasn't it? Somebody's beeping at me. I don't know. Anyway, um, well, I, I mean, I like, I, I like to know that they care. So that's, that's always good. Like that, really? Yeah. Well, it, it. I mean, the two beeps show you care, but like three beeps, that's a beep too far. Like that's that's harassment. Then then you're getting into something else. That's so. irritation. They're angry about something. Yeah, and I don't. I don't really. There's enough anger in America right now. I don't. I don't think I need to add to the uh, the, the 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 cup if, if it runneth over. <laughs> so you're doing nails. The it's image. A flood. In, the, the, yeah. <laughs> the image that I have in my head is of. Um, the scene in Goodfellas, which where, one? <laughs> where all of the women are doing the hair and the nails, and uh, and uh, it's the it's, you know which one I'm talking about. Less the blue eyeshadow. <laughs> yeah, the blue eyeshadow and, and the, the big cloth mole. hair. And the cloth yeah, hair and I the mole. I didn't have the big hair. Yeah. and there wasn't a bunch of us. It was usually me and my roommate and the one other person. Okay, so just right. three, not a okay. room full. All right, I don't know why. I, Unless I, it was I, during the day, then yeah. Attention. Yeah, and somebody's complaining about beating their kid with a shoe or something. <laughs> oh, they used to complain how they got beat with a shoe. Yeah, or that. Okay. No one really so you, had kids. So you had the, they're all in you, college. Well, you had the you had the children of the women in the scene in Goodfellas. Potentially, yes. <laughs> you had their kids. They were all going to like they were going to college. I'm gonna make some of myself. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. Maybe. So you I'll get back nails. to you on that one. Okay. Well, we're, we're, oh, don't worry. We're going to cycle back around to it. We're going to talk about everything. So you did the nails. You're mm -hmm. you're making the money. I'm assuming you've got some other side hustles going on at the time because college, you can like expand your base of hustle because it's just there's so many opportunities in college and there's no rules. Like that's what people don't understand about college. There's literally no rules here. Like mm -hmm. everybody's just making it up as they go along. Like really. And if you violate the rules, there's no there's no consequence. Yeah, there's nothing going. I mean, what are they going to do? Kick you out? Like they're happy that you're here. <laughs> like they don't want you to go. Right. <laughs> so, what did you get your degree in, or did you get a degree? Did you finish? Yes, I finished. I got a degree in finance. 
Oh, okay. Okay. So you actually got to do read the thing. (laughs) I think I'm one of the few people on this earth that actually got a degree that I was interested in getting and I'm using it today. Yeah. See, most entrepreneurs I know, they got a degree in something else and they got bitten by the bug and then they just walked away from, that was me, like just walked away from whatever they initially were in and they like had to pick up all the things that you know. They just had to pick them up in trial and error. (laughs) They're just like, yeah, I'm going to trial and error the hell out of this figure this out but you didn't you didn't do that okay so you could have taken a finance degree anywhere you could have gone anywhere with that you could have gone to an accounting firm you could have gone to um you know i don't know work working at a ce working in a uh, working at, at a ceo but working in a major organization you know as a cfo working your way up into that kind of role why didn't you do any of that um i did some of it but most of my career i focused on the smaller business so okay. before I left New York, I was actually offered an internship with AIG. Okay. And um, it, it came, I guess, two days after I had actually moved. So everything happens the way it's supposed to. But I was more so on the entrepreneurial path. And what made me decide that was moving back home after college, back to Long Island, and taking the LIRR into the city for my interviews in my blue suit, my white blouse, my sneakers, my shoes in my bag, right? Mm -hmm. My newspaper, my Wall Street Journal. And I looked up and I looked like everybody else on the train. And I said, no, I'm not going to be a number in some major corporation where I'm going to have to kill myself to do something, get somewhere. Just not going to deal with it. and I decided to up and leave and focused on working with smaller businesses and starting other businesses, the entrepreneurship route. I think you're probably in the same age range as um, the venture capitalist Peter Thiel, because he had a similar, he went to law school. I mean, he, he went to Stanford and went to Stanford Law, and he actually got hired at one of those blue chip law firms in New York City. I think mm-hmm. it was in New York City. And he tells the story of like realizing the first day he was there that everybody who was inside of the blue chip law firm wanted to be outside. <laughs> and then everybody he had been, who had been yelling at him for years to get inside of one of those firms wanted to be inside the firm. And he was like, screw this, this is not, this is not gonna work. And then he went off and found Elon Musk, I guess. And yeah, he did, he went off and found Elon Musk and hooked up with him and then like that's, that's, that's it. That's been his, like his entire life ever since. Damn, I didn't know I should have looked for Elon Musk. Yeah, well, I could do it all over again. I do it just a little bit differently. <laughs> well, well, that guy was in South Africa um, in the early 90s calling. Interestingly enough, I, I was told a story by somebody up in New York uh, on a totally unrelated topic. And he was like, oh, yeah, I, I took Elon Musk's call one time. I was like, oh, tell me about this. And so he's like, oh, yeah, like this kid from South Africa called in like the late 80s when I was working as a salesman with IBM asking about computer chip parts for some wacko project he was working on. And like, nobody wanted to talk to him. And eventually he came around to me and I was like, who the hell is this? He goes, well, my name is Elon Musk and I would like to buy some computer chips from you. And I heard that you could buy computer chips from IBM and I'm in South Africa. I would like to buy these from you. And he's like, whatever. And he like sold him some computer chips and he's like, whatever that kid. (laughs) 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 And I think that's how things happen. I think like, random people call you and you're like, I don't know, that's some schmuck from over there. And then you just walk away and then 30 years later, well, that schmuck has bought Twitter and, and uh, a bunch of people's hair is on fire now. <laughs> over there. And that's you probably so should have made a digit, damn. Yeah. 
Possibly. Possibly. But but then he could have turned out to be like shlomo, schlumpy, you know, on the street, like doing nothing. You never, you don't know. You don't. You don't know. You don't. That's why it helps to function with grace and patience, right? Yeah, well. <laughs> As he sighs. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Twist I guess. my arm. <laughs> Twist my arm, I, I guess. A fair bit of humility. That also is helpful. <laughs> Just a little bit. Can well, we okay. at least pretend we care, Hazel? We can. I'm going to pretend I care. I'm going to put my pretend I care face on. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and scene. And so you're you're in you're this is I'm assuming this is the '90s, right? You're on the LIRR. You're going back and forth. This is like the mid '90s, sometime right around there. Early uh, '90s, yeah. Early '90s. Okay, so I'm old. Well, I don't know what that means, but like right on the cusp of like I would presume right at the end of like George Bush's thousand points of light speech and Bill Clinton's like, hey, it's going to be great. I'm Bill Clinton. Isn't it awesome? Just before Monica Lewinsky and all that other kind of nonsense. It's like in that era, right? Yeah. I guess okay. I remember correctly. Okay, so this will just give you how, how old. Just, just I was like twelve then. Like that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was a golden era because <laughs> I was like twelve, so it was great. Um, I was not selling bubble gum at the time at all. I was doing other things, but anyway. Care to share what that was? I was beating up people for their lunch money. <laughs> a bully. No, so you're a reformed bully. No, 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 no. I, I actually. So I was the kind of person who would beat up the bullies. Yay. So, you know, if I saw somebody getting bullied, I was like, oh, no, 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 that's, that's not, that dog don't hunt. <laughs> Why don't you try that over here? <laughs> I'm with you on that. So I took my fair share of beatings, but I also handed out my fair share of beatings. So <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't totally untenable at the time. And you didn't become a boxer. Amazing. No, I, I mean, many years later, um, after I went to high school in Louisiana and had a whole bunch of other things happen to me, uh, about the last time my mother had to sew me up, <laughs> sew my face back up, uh, from, uh, getting my face messed up. I actually have an old scar. Um, you can't really see it. It's on my upper lip. But, um, after all of that nonsense, I remember her standing there in the doctor's office going, so if you're going to keep getting messed up like this, just, you might want to learn how to fight. <laughs> like I'm doing fine so far. <laughs> Talking about this isn't going to work anymore. <laughs> then, then you mean that? That's not. That's not the move. She's like, no, that's not the move. So <laughs> after that, I got into um, I got into traditional taekwondo, which is not to be confused with like what you see in the Olympics. That's trash garbage. Um, but I got into like traditional taekwondo with like a Korean from like Korea, <laughs> who like ran over rocks and stuff and did that for a long time and now i do and then many years later now i do jujitsu so i mean there you go so how'd you transition into the jujitsu from taekwondo was it a natural project progression oh, no. or no, it's just terrible. frustrated <laughs> and needed to really roll around the mat with people um well in between that i played rugby for a lot of years i played and coached rugby sense. so rugby's like very physical yeah and you're gonna be rolling around with dudes anyway like yeah I mean, it's just kind of the thing that's going to happen. And it's fine. It is what it is. Um, <clears throat> but you do a fair bit of running, which is also nice. Um, and so it's running and hitting and all of this. Um, no, the jiu-jitsu took me like 10 years after being done with rugby to be like, okay, fine. I'll go I'll go do that. So 
Yeah, I never, I never did that. It's you have to be of a certain mindset to do it. Uh, it requires a level of. You'll appreciate this being being with your finance background and the serial entrepreneurship piece because this also matches that. But it requires a certain level of a lack of ego, and I don't mean like I don't have a big head or like being arrogant. That's not what I'm talking about. What I mean is, you have to go in with the idea. You have to go into jujitsu with the idea that everybody can be beaten by everybody else on any given day. And beaten means it can mean submitted. It can mean tapping out. It can mean getting choked. It can mean. I've just had enough. <laughs> no boss. It can, mean, it can mean any of that. <laughs> it can mean any of that. Um, and there's no strikes in classic jiu-jitsu, so it's all grappling and mm-hmm. and body movements and all that kind of stuff. But I know strikes from Taekwondo, but I can't do any of them because that'll create a bigger problem. <laughs> so I don't, I, don't, I don't do any of them. <laughs> I don't feel like dealing with that problem. Okay. I can people, get, people get offended when you like bring over stuff that doesn't that doesn't relate to like whatever it is they're doing. Like people get offended in a conversation. You're like, I was talking about the financial reserve. Oh, well, what about Twinkies? What? <laughs> they've, they've made a comeback. I, I I think that in the next couple of years they're going to be extremely popular for, for, for a whole variety of reasons. Actually, they have sprinkles in them now. I saw a box in the checkout this weekend. <laughs> Twinkies with, with sprinkles. They are. They are. So, I don't know if you know the guy Jocko Willick. He's a Navy SEAL leadership development guy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, he has a book called The Leadership Field Manual or something like that. Or Strategy mm-hmm. and Tactics or The Code or something. The Manual, I think, is what it's called. Anyway point is he has a whole section in there because he's a big fitness guy right he's a big like 4 30 in the morning fitness guy i'm gonna get up gonna go crush it every single morning he takes a picture of his watch and puts it on social media to prove that he's up um people like it um he but, gets um, a kick. It, it, no 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 no. he doesn't believe in oh god no there's a whole section in the book that says donuts are sugar-coated lies <laughs> <coughs> there Sugar-coated lies. Yeah. Sugar-coated lies. And and basically... <laughs> and you can hear him. Like, have you ever heard his podcast? He kind of talks like this, like really close to the microphone. And then I went out and I garroted him in the back. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that kind of podcast. Like, it's, it's military history and that kind of stuff. So he's, like, reading really hard stuff. Nice. And he's got the voice, and he, when you look at him, he looks like a big old silverback gorilla. Like you're not gonna. <laughs> but he has an English, but he's an English major, and got like an English degree, and like he's smart. <laughs> so he's a dangerous silverback, <laughs> and he does jujitsu, which is the other thing. So he's dangerous, and he actually knows how to fight. <laughs> he's got all all the things like mixed together, right? He's and checking all the boxes. All the boxes, every single check, one of them down check, the line. Check, check. <laughs> Married kids. Oh yeah. Yep. Married. Survived PTSD. <laughs> preaches about it. He was. I think he. Him and his his groups uh, had a SEAL team bruiser. I think. The the SEAL team was at uh, the Battle of Fallujah, back in the day, after they hung our soldiers from the bridge and were like, "Come and get some." And he was like, "Okay, I'll accommodate you." <laughs> Be there in a minute. Be there. All you have to do is ask. <laughs> Come right say over. Say the word. Word. 
let me grab my kit and my boys. <laughs> we will be right over to accommodate you. <laughs> and then we did. We went over right there and we accommodated them. Um, but yeah, no, so he, he does. He has a whole section in there. And you can hear it in his voice just about, if I see you holding a donut, I'm going to yell at you to step away. <laughs> That's right, you with the powdered sugar on your fingers. Don't lick your fingers. That's pretty scary. Put that donut down. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. <laughs> like, is it a bomb? What's wrong? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is it anthrax? <laughs> this isn't sugar? What? What? Makes you, makes you want to go out and do burpees at like 4.30 in the Never. afternoon. For, 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 for some reason. But all right. so I would play Russian roulette before I did a burpee. <laughs> burpees are not fun. Anyway, okay. They build they build your character though. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. He we, he would assert that they do. He would assert that burpees build character. An angry character, maybe, because she hates doing the freaking burpees. But okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll move past. We'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying I saw somebody this morning when I went to the gym at like 4.30 uh, <laughs> saw somebody do I did I saw somebody I mean she was doing like 20 or 30 burpees and like that was her set and I was like God bless you and then I just left <laughs> I, I, so I you go to the gym to watch other people exercise and you feel oh, yeah. fulfilled and then you leave yeah and then I leave yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't everybody do that <laughs> Like that's that's the purpose of the gym, right? Actually, social buddy, environment. Buddy of mine sent me a great picture of a guy on the incline bench press on the incline bench. This is like in Georgia at a YMCA in Georgia, just like sleeping. I could see that. <laughs> he wasn't passed out from his workout. He was no, no, catching no, no, some no, no. Z's. No, he's just. You just need a place to sleep, and uh, there you go. Wow. didn't know the homeless could get into gyms to sleep. Well, I think if you can get a guest pass in Georgia, <laughs> you're probably fine. Um, Texas is a different beast. Don't try that here. <laughs> Don't recommend it, because number one, there's a very fit woman doing burpees <laughs> in the morning, <laughs> and she will not tolerate you being on the incline bench. Sleeping. Sleeping. She'll not... That dog don't hunt here. I do not. <laughs> like Georgia. That's Georgia. Georgia. I don't know what they're doing over there. It's Georgia. <laughs> don't know. Don't know what's happening over there. Well, um, Georgia banned Ray Charles. Yes. For a long time. Yeah. Right? They did. Yeah. Well, you kind know. Kind of explains a lot. I, I, so, <laughs> after having lived up north for 25 years and now back in south and technically speaking the western part of the south mm -hmm. um a i went to high school in louisiana which i think I've already, I've already mentioned but b and my louisiana experience was not great i did not enjoy any of that in the mid 90s none of that I just, no um but you do get the sense that like and maybe it happened over the last 20 or 30 years mm -hmm. that like the south shifted and I don't know that it's because the people changed here. Because there's more Northerners down here. That's it might have been, right. the, it might have been the inflow. But the Southerners <laughs> aren't having any of it. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's interesting. They're pissed. They're pissed, right. <laughs> oh, that's, 
Oh, you have an opinion. Oh, that's interesting. Bless your heart. <laughs> and when they say that, they don't really mean bless your heart. <laughs> You're one of those damn Yankees, Cheryl. I said, yep. That's right. He's like, you know what that means? I said, if there's another civil war, you may win this time. because No. <laughs> don't. Don't go directly to. Don't poke them directly with the Civil War stick. They don't. That's not. That's a sure way to rile them up. <laughs> Can't rile people up here. Got to be nice. Got to be I've got nice. This, got this long poker I like to use. <laughs> that's what she uses for her business coaching, folks. She uses a long poker. <laughs> but I'm bump, and he lobbed it in again, and I'm gonna let it pass. Yeah. Off. Well, okay. So I walked past a tattoo parlor the other day. With my wife, we were on, on a day night and walked past the tattoo parlor, and it was the um, the pink something. It's a good name, the pink something. It is a good name, but that wasn't it. It was, it was, I. I it was that memorable. It was right, <laughs> right, but it relates to this idea of of the South and poking. It looks like there's like three ideas that come together in that one name, and I can't. I can't think of the last name of the place. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The pink poker? Might have been the pink cylinder. Something like that. And I'm just like, mm, Okay. That's not. My wife looks at me and goes, do you know what that means? I was like, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's cross the street. <laughs> we don't need to. What are we doing here? Oh, pink we're trying cylinder. To get to the, we're trying to get to the jazz club. That's what we're trying <clears throat> to do. So. Oh, did you make it? Was it good? Yeah, no, the jazz club was great. Jazz club was great. Uh, it was an open mic kind of thing, and um, it was really good. Actually, you had a couple of good saxophonists, good trombonists. Um, Not like the great. Apollo. If they stunk, you could boo them off stage. Uh, no, 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 no. It's much more polite here. Um, no, it's not that brutal. Oh, that's right. You're in the south. So it's, we are. That's right. It's bless your heart. And now, can we get them off? Hey, Max. <laughs> well, no. I mean, there was a, there was an old man who came on, and he um, he sang like a. Billy Holiday song or something, and it was it was really good. He like laid it out. It was really good. It was very emotional, and he's an old man, and so like, yeah, he hit all the notes. I was surprised. I was like, I did not know that old man had that in him. Wow, that's pretty good. Wasn't and I wasn't Tony Bennett, was it? <sighs> no, no, no. It was not. Nor is it Mel Torme. He's dead. He's uh, dead. No, <laughs> it wasn't any. Wasn't any of those folks. No. I wish it was Tony Bennett though. I, I do have a question for him though. Which is just, just a passing thought, maybe for Tony. Christina Aguilera, what's going on there? Why are you hanging around her? Christina Aguilera. Yeah, he did a whole. He did an album with her. Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, and her too. That other one. Yeah. yeah. Lady Gaga opened for him for his last show. Oh, she did. Mm-hmm. Huh. Where yeah. was that? Was that in Vegas? Like, in New York. That? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah his <laughs> poor guy. Yeah, he, he wouldn't remember that anyway if you asked him now. Yeah. Huh. Dementia and all, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, old age comes for everybody. Yeah. I saw him. I used to take my grandmother when she was alive. I used, we used to go gambling all mm -hmm. the time together. And there were a couple places we saw him in Atlantic City, and we also saw him in Vegas. Okay together and i saw him here he actually came to san augustine florida and he had actually dropped something 
And it was like the longest 10 minutes ever of him slowly, slowly, slowly bending, bending, bend. And everybody's like, <gasps> like holding your breath. And mm -hmm. then he got it slowly, slowly came up and held it up and everybody cheered for him. Yeah, your... <laughs> 85 years old, you can still bend down and pick something up. That, that's, that deserves a round of applause. So, but, I can't yeah. wait to get rounds of applause for that kind of stuff in 40 years. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I'm hoping that people will say, no, no, let me get that for yeah, you. Yeah, so I well, won't have to do it. <laughs> the, way we're, the way we're going. <laughs> I might have to get it myself anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll take 10 minutes. It's fine. <laughs> Let's go over there. I just have a cane that you can take off the end and it becomes a grabber yes. and put the end back on. There you yes. go. There's my, an invention. Or, or my AI-powered personal assistant that will just look like Scarlett Johansson and magically just show up and just be like, I'll get it for you. I'm like, okay, fine. So why Scarlett Johansson? I like her. I don't know. It's the first and the roles that she's played. Oh, okay. Probably because I saw Sing 2 the other night, and she's the voice of the porcupine. So I had that in my head. Yeah. But, but, I was, but when I said Scarlett Johansson, I was thinking of the porcupine <laughs> from Sing 2. <laughs> So I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking of the person. You pictured a porcupine going there the and taking and its hand and handing it back <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Uh, There's a deeper weird. side to Hassan that we're, we're starting to uncover. We're starting to peel the layers of the onion. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're, you're on the train. You're like, screw this action. I don't want to do any of this. Yes. And then how do you get to small businesses from screw this action to like a I just train? packed up and moved south to Atlanta okay. before the Olympics. So this is about a year or so before the Olympics came and wound okay. up getting, you know, an office administrator, manager, bookkeeper position with a, um, a dollar store chain. Hmm. <clears throat> they had what, six stores. Okay. So yeah. started there and then wound up doing side hustles from there and just kept going. Okay. Kept going. What is it about being an entrepreneur that, like, you're because I there's two different kinds of mindsets, right? There's an employee mindset and there's an entrepreneur mindset. And from what I have seen, the employee mindset is one of um, security, and I don't really want to ride the lightning. Because I got problems in my other other parts of my life that I got to deal with, <laughs> and it's just easier to solve that problem and just call it solved, and it's going to open up a whole other can of worms or snakes depending upon your perspective. But I don't want to deal with that, so I'm going to just solve that problem because people for like twelve years have told me that's the way you solve that problem. Cool. Whereas an entrepreneur goes, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> like what's What's the big deal? <laughs> that looks like a solvable problem. Um, risk versus risk averse, and then what's been ingrained in you, right? Right. There's from you know the <clears throat> the baby boomers were raised in an environment where you get that job, you keep it for thirty years, you get the parachute, and that was ingrained. Oh no, no, go get the paycheck. That's the most stable. You know, you want stability and stuff like that. And I didn't like working for jerks. I didn't like working for dumb people and I guess it sparked and I don't mind taking risk. 
anytime I go into something, I say, what's the worst thing that can happen if right. I go forward with this? And if I'm okay with the worst that can happen, I go for it. You go for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a good, that's actually a really good metric for, uh, for success. I actually say what's, I actually say what's the worst possible thing that can happen. And then usually the worst possible thing does happen. And then I'm like, well, God, that was it. Okay. That was, that was the thing. Great. I didn't anticipate that. Um, or I did. And I just maybe didn't make it up. You <laughs> land to deal with it. And then you're just like building the parachute after you've already fallen out of the plane. Um, sometimes that's a little, sometimes that's a little bit, uh, not, not it happens. pleasant. It, yeah. Well, I, I, so I think about it in terms of poker and chess, and I, I've said this before, but I think about it in terms of poker and chess. The entrepreneur learns from chess that all games are long games. All games are strategic. All games are long games. And just because I, just because my bishop got taken today doesn't mean that I won't get over the, that doesn't mean that my pawn won't get all the way on the other side and I'll get to be a queen again. Like it, one of those things doesn't counteract the other, right. but poker sits underneath that where, Oh, I'm putting bets down on this, this game at this table, like the real estate game. I'm putting bets like we're, my wife and I are doing some stuff in real estate right now. <clears throat> it's like, okay, we're putting bets down here mm-hmm. and do I have enough money to stay at this table and sometimes it's money most of the times it's will but do i have enough will or enough money or did i measure the risk appropriately to stay at this table long enough to put down more money on bets that are of a higher and higher order right Mm -hmm. more and more risk or am i gonna like in the movie rounders am i gonna round (laughs) all day (laughs) and am i just gonna play short games all day and just make my rent and go home like what am i gonna do and that's the entrepreneur mindset. It's, it's poker and chess together. And you don't know which one is which based on what decision you're making. Right. Um, and you don't know which game you're playing. And it's weird because, like, you could be doing just fine at one table and just totally blowing it at another one. Well, that's and, because things change in entrepreneurship. The players right. are different, right? Chess, it's a little different. <clears throat> chess is more about the strategy. <clears throat> yes. You know, it's more about just knowing that you have to have strategic thinking, even if you're blowing it at the table. You know, you might be blowing it at the table. You might have lost all your pieces, and now you're down to a, a you're down to your king, which sucks, and you're down to a pawn, which also sucks. It sucks even more. <laughs> but you can get across the board, and you can win that game. It's just the percentage probability is incredibly low. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what I learned. All right. Which one comes first, the stupid people or the or the dumb people? Like which which one was it like uh, I don't want to. You didn't want to work with stupid people, and you didn't want to work with people who basically like didn't respect you, right? So which one is the higher order in those two? Um, like which one is the driver for for you? It's probably the lack of respect first. Okay. And then the, I won't say dumb people, but, you know, people, you come across those people that just make money in spite of themselves. What are those people like? I've never. Oblivious. Okay. Okay. I've never, I've never, I've never met those people before. Maybe, maybe it's because I've run in narrow circles, but like almost everybody that I know who has made money 
in one form or another busted their tail <laughs> in one form or another like they may have busted their tail long before they showed up to meet you right mm-hmm. like i can remember um one of the many sort of entrepreneurs that i've met in my time he built this one company and then he pivoted it to something else and pivoted it to something else and sold like three companies in like 10 years mm-hmm. um, one of which became publicly traded the other two became nothing and now he has money and i'm like okay well you know, it's, Kudos to him. Right. I mean, that's okay. Um, But then I run across people who are like, I don't know. I put money in the stock market here and I follow this incredibly closely. And I put like somebody right now. Like I put money in the stock market. I'm following this incredibly closely. Like this is, this is, you know, this is down $2 and I'm going to sell it when it goes up to four. This is down four and I'm going to sell it when it goes back up to two or I'm going to buy more. Like the, the people that I tend to run into who are making money tend to be very strategic. I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's just oblivious, who like just sort of tripped and fell. Well, there is a person in my family who sort of tripped and fell. <laughs> Never mind. I took that the entire line of questioning. <laughs> my entire line of questioning was fallacious. <laughs> I won't. I won't bring up politics, but no. our last president was proof of that. So just saying. Well, you had to do some work. <laughs> I think we have to define what work is. Like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I think we're caught on. There's the caveats. Yes, we have to define what work is. And what work is for me, and what work is for you, and what work may be for other folks is not the same thing. Definitely not. All work is not equal. Okay, so <laughs> that's for sure. So, so well, it's sure. proof that women get paid what seventy nine cents on the dollar for the same amount of work that they do that a man does. So, uh, well, if, if you look at it, actually, if you break that down, interestingly enough, uh, not to push back against the that wonderful talking wonderful talking point. However, if you look at the amount of women who are graduating not only with degrees but who are also going into high end positions. On a position by position basis, women actually get paid, particularly, and actually specifically, we get the specific kinds of women that it is. So, single unmarried women get paid actually more than single unmarried men these days, which is shocking. Well, that's good. It's about time. The ones that everybody compares them against, though, all women are usually compared 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 against married men. That's who all everybody is compared against. Married working men. And that's stupid, but that's how it is because the, demo- the, 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 the demographers and the sociologists aren't asking better questions um, except for a few. And so the, if you're comparing all demographic groups against married men, yeah, I mean, please forget it. Like it is. Yes, married men in all groups make more than anybody else. Yes, for sure. And that's where you get the whole like 79 cents for every job. But if you if you break it down realistically, like right now in America, black women with college educations make more make more pound for pound single black women with college educations make more money pound for pound than single black men with who are um, unmarried. With or without college education, it doesn't matter. But with college education, it's particularly egregious. It doesn't matter because we just don't get hired. And I saw that directly in higher education when I was in higher ed. So it's, it's, you just, 
There's a stigma. <clears throat> well, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of other factors because we live in a multiracial, multiethnic society. So there's a lot of other factors that have I mean, to be. Tell all the white people that. Well, they, they oh they know they're aware. <laughs> the, the white people are aware. <laughs> they they know. <laughs> they may not always talk about it out loud. <laughs> they're, 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 they know. <laughs> Trust me, they're aware. <laughs> <laughs> So you're in the ATL, you're yeah. you're hanging out in the ATL, you're doing what you're doing there. What kind of businesses are you working with? Well, you're working with the dollar store folks, right? And so you yeah. started with that. Yeah. And then you, you kind of did a bunch of little side hustles that sort of, mm -hmm. I guess, sort of moved you into this advisory sort of idea, right? Cultivate advisors, right? Eventually, yeah. Like 30 years later, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite a lot happened in that 30 years <laughs> i think it it morphed um because of the the lack of fear that i had to be an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and the openness i had to discuss the experiences that i've had um <clears throat> and the curiosity factor because mm -hmm. i think to be a successful advisor you have to be comfortable with asking those hard questions okay so give me an example of a hard question you would ask me if you were advising me. Um, <clears throat> nothing like putting me on the spot, but to... We have all four of our listeners will appreciate the answer to this question. <laughs> we have tens and tens of listeners. <clears throat> so let's start with what, what made you decide to, to start doing a podcast? Um, because I wanted to insert myself in the world. To what degree? Oh, to the biggest degree I could possibly get with the mouth that I've got. <laughs> What's the return on investment that you were looking for for doing this? Uh, the return on investment for this podcast is expansion of personal brand. Not monetization at this point, just expanding the personal brand. Is, is monetization going to come into it at some point? Is that part of the goal? At some point, yes. So what's the ultimate vision? The ultimate vision is to be bigger than Jesus. That is no, <laughs> that's not the ultimate vision. No, that's good luck with that. <laughs> well, the, the the Beatles claimed they were. Come on down. <laughs> <clears throat> no, um, no. The ultimate vision is to for this podcast anyway, not the other podcast brands. But the ultimate vision is to build out a um, a podcast network. Honestly where you would have multiple brands with different, or not multiple brands, multiple different shows, you know, with different kinds of foci um, that would appeal to different demographics. So you want to be all things to everybody? Well, I wouldn't be hosting all the shows. So, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, your brand. The, well, the brand uh, eventually <coughs> would migrate away from me. Like, it, it just will. It'll become its own thing. As it should. Yeah, but that takes like in pod. Well, podcasting is a little bit different because the the economics of it are kind of all warped right now because everybody's in the podcast game. Versus a few years ago, when almost nobody was in it, and NPR sucked up all of the oxygen in the room. Um, now that's not the case. The case is ninety nine percent of podcasters make almost no money at all. Most podcasts don't go past the eighth episode. Uh, which is, we're on episode 12, so we've already broken that curse, so that's great. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> well, on this podcast. The other podcast that I do, we're up to like episode number like 65 or 70 or something like that. And um, still building the following. 
oh yeah, I'm still building a following because the podcasting is a long game, not a short game. And so podcasting now is like blogging was back in 2001 to like 2005 when like everybody their mom had a blog and it was the hot thing. And then all those blogs now litter the internet and no one cares about them. And the ones that made it, made it and everybody else didn't. They've turned into podcasts. Uh, no, the, 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 the mindset is the same. Actually, some of those people should go back and do a podcast. The mindset is the same as it was with the bloggers, but there's not the, as usual, people are focused on the wrong thing. So how long can you sustain yourself without a monetary factor supporting any aspect of it? Oh, on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Oh, 10 years. So you have a plan. Oh, yeah. Like five to ten years, I can make no money on a podcast for five to ten years, <clears throat> if necessary. But that's not that's not what's going to happen. What will happen is you make no money the first two years, and then you have enough content um, to be able to, and you start monetizing after the first year. But it's small monetization. But you have enough content built to be able to do other things and build out other verticals. So things like books and we're shooting videos so you can do videos and all those other kinds of things um conferences keynotes speaking engagements things like that no Plus, blooper reel in there <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> blooper reel in there all day <laughs> bloopers all day <laughs> but yeah i mean it takes you two to five years because a you're a needle in a stack of needles b nobody knows how good you are and c everybody and their mother is, is you're waiting for everybody and your mother to to fall off so you're fighting a war of attrition rather than a war of victory which most traditional business models have you fighting a war of victory. You pick a niche and you dominate it and you just run over everybody else. That's not what happens with podcasts. It's a marathon. It's, it's just like blogs. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Like yeah. the best podcasters I know, uh, the Joe Rogans, the Mark Marins, the Mitch Joles of the world, they have like a thousand episodes. And that was, before, and they were like, they were three, four hundred deep before video came along with YouTube. Long you gotta be committed <clears throat> absolutely gotta be committed and then you can then you can demand advertising dollars and things like that so we will do advertising on this show i'll do ad reads on this show and that kind of stuff and that monetizes it but you gotta wait okay well, that's all the questions that i have for now but an example of asking the questions I gave you, what, half a dozen? I'll have to start charging you if I have to do Oh, wow. The whole entire thing of this podcast is now flipped. All right, well, we're now paying Cheryl. And now she has monetized me. So there you go. Ta-da. Ta-da. And that's why she's... opportunity into success. That's why she's an entrepreneur. That's why, folks. I'm a hustler, baby. <laughs> and she's going to give me some gum. And uh, I'm going to be like, you're on For your way. For a fee. <laughs> For a fee. <laughs> 25 cents. <laughs> it's going to be a quarter for a stick of gum. Actually, yeah. these days it would be a dollar. It would be a dollar for a stick of gum because inflation. Yeah. Inflation is real. Mm. Well, That's the local challenge. bodegas knew what to do. They told, they sold Lucy's, cigarette Lucy's. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like couldn't afford a whole pack, you could buy some Lucy's. So. Well, I think that's all. Well, isn't that what, um, oh, God, wasn't it that what George Floyd was doing? He was selling Lucy's on the street. I think that was. Yep. He was selling Lucy's on the street, and that's why the cops in, um, no, not the cops, but uh, the, uh, the store owners were all irritated with him because he was selling Lucy's on the street. 
and then they called the cops and the cops were like move and they had come out like 12 times or whatever and it wasn't like they didn't know him and finally one day they were just like they were done with whatever they were done with moving him off the corner yep so and i'm not saying that that's correct i'm not saying any of that i'm just saying like that shop owner probably wishes they hadn't called the cops (laughs) probably like you know what I probably should just hit him with a broom or something. <laughs> just, move, just move him along. <laughs> well, I understand the, the guilt, just like the store owner from George Floyd came out mm-hmm. and said he wished he had never done that. Yep. Eric Gardner, same thing. I, I mean, why should you feel bad when you're calling for a service that's provided and the service provider doesn't function the way it's supposed to? Because we have all of this guilt in our human consciousness that just floats around. And, and that's that's kind of how we operate. We operate. That, that's, that's how we're socially constructed. Like, we're socially constructed to operate on that basis. And guilt has a... Guilt and shame has an evolutionary basis. And so we're going to... Except gonna, for the narcissists. Well, you know, the... the, the need world balance. Everybody can't feel guilty. No. Everybody can't feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> but those people will feel guilty enough for the ones that don't carry the guilt. So That's carry right. It for them. Right, exactly. And in a country of 330 million people, like. There's enough guilt to go around oh, for please. everybody. <laughs> guilt for days. For days, I tell you. <laughs> what is it? Darling, let me tell you something. Flick the long ash. No, the old, the old woman that had the ash hanging off that could talk and the <laughs> cigarette would shake up and down that ash <laughs> a bourbon or whiskey in the other hand bourbon and whiskey in one hand ash coming out the other those were the days those were the days oh that was back in the day well yeah. good old days been, right? this has been a good conversation this is worth your time this is like an hour this is good right we, oh yeah we're, at, we're over an hour already Okay, a little over an hour, sixty-five <clears throat> minutes. Whoa, eh, I'll leave it all in. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> um, what so what's we next? This is yeah, where yeah, we say goodbye. We, yeah, this is where we say goodbye. Bye. Yeah, where we say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, bye. Uh, well, well, before we say goodbye, what would you? How do people get a hold of you? What would you like people to take from hearing you today? Um, how can people help you? What do we need to do to help Cheryl out? And we'll have links to all your stuff if you mention anything. So, whatever you got. If you know a business owner that could use some advice mm-hmm. and needs help growing and scaling their business to the next level, give them my information. We do have um, a two-hour free session where I can break down the business. We go through a bunch of questions, find out some solutions, identify those gaps, put a roadmap together, take that roadmap and go and conquer. Coaching, and if you listening. need help. Yeah. with the roadmap then i can get into the trenches with you and as a business advisor i'm that coach consultant together where i'm playing devil's advocate i'm cheering you along i'm holding you accountable i'm asking those hard questions and i'm helping with the lift of the work that needs to be done so it's a, a combination thereof awesome <laughs> do you have a website that we can go to sure cultivateadvisors.com great so we'll have a link to yep. And you can advisors. email me at Cheryl at CultivateAdvisors.com. Right. Cheryl at CultivateAdvisors.com. We will have the link to CultivateAdvisors.com. 
We will also have the link to Leah Cheryl's uh, LinkedIn profile in the uh, in the show notes below the player, um, and of course on the below the player in the YouTube whatever it's called saying it exists below the thing below the watching. line below the line all of the information goes here right that's you where it'll be you all need to scroll down to by the way you need to scroll down and you need to click on the link to get in touch with cheryl um she's a serial entrepreneur she's been hustling since she was like eight or ten uh hustling you know everything from bubble gum to now business advice and so uh <laughs> Uh, she knows what she's talking about, um, and what you're paying for is that 35-plus, 30-year-plus years of experience. That's what you're paying for, um, and it is well worth your time to get two hours of it for free um, because, yes, you can maybe go figure it out from a book, or, yes, you could maybe figure it out from a YouTube video like this one, but it would be a really good idea to get it from somebody who's already done all the hard parts. And so I would encourage you to connect with Cheryl as quickly as you possibly can. Hurry, 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 <laughs> hurry now today. And she's in Florida too, where it's like always sunny and she clearly except for today. It's raining. Except for today when it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> she has a sunny disposition because she's in Florida because it's nice, you know, and I only walk on water when it rains. So oh. When we're done here, I'm going to go walk on water. And with that, <laughs> thank you for coming on the Hassan Sorrell's Experience Podcast. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks, Hassan. It's my pleasure.